This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Smoking, gambling, 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 gambling. But firstly, your host for tonight, Chris Hambling. Was <laughs> without doubt the worst episode ever. Rest assured that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. Ruddy wonderful. Yeah, ruddy, wonderful indeed. Uh, hope you enjoyed our new introduction there, uh, voiced by the wonderful Peter Dixon of X Factor fame. You know the one. Um, okay, just uh, well, what was that noise? I had a noise. <laughs> Submarine. <laughs> okay, all right then. Um, just yeah, usual contact details for you. You can get hold of us today on Twitter. It's twitter.com forward slash whole radio. Start your message with at whole radio. 
uh, game predictions, anything like that, really. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com forward slash whole radio. We'll try and keep an eye on that. If you want to do any instant messaging, Nick is uh, having a quick look in the chat room. Uh, and it's wholeradio.net forward slash chat. You can give us a call any point you like. It's 0208 123 1646. Calls charged at your local rate and will come out of your mobile bundle. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, of course, the email address is radio at homesdale.net. And uh, hopefully, we'll hear from you today. Got a few emails in already. Be nice to get a few more. Uh, as we talk about the Millwall match, uh, we've got a thread of the week, which I've not noted down. I'll have to try and remember it. Uh, and we'll also have a quick look at uh, the match towards the Man United games, game and the uh, Derby game. Uh, but first of all, really, I just want to give a, a quick mention to the, the sad news of the day. Obviously, that, that was that Gary Speed has unfortunately been found dead. It was a, it's a huge shock, I think, to anyone who's um, you know followed the Premiership for any sort of length of time because. He was one of those, one of the players who made such a, a huge early impact. Um, I know from, from my own personal point of view, I used to read a lot of football books when I was young, and one of the books I read was on the sort of history of Leeds United. So in in my early days, I used to sort of have one eye on their results, really. And um, you know, Gary Speed was a huge part of that coming through, coming uh, coming through their, their side as a young player. Uh, it's just seems just such a shock, really, and such a shame to, for someone to have you know to be turning the Welsh team around like he was and 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 you know bloke with a young family uh, seemingly everything to live for but i guess you know obviously that's part of life but it was, it was a real shock for me and then you know get get a quick um opinion on it from from the guys uh mark i mean how did you, how did you take the news i agree it was genuinely shocking news and uh it was desperately sad for for his family as well and uh he he's he was a great pro as you said he had quite a distinguished playing career i think he's the most capped outfield Welsh international currently anyway or was and um, 42 years old it's very sad um, yeah so my condolences to to uh, his family and all his friends yeah yeah obviously I mean you've seen various sort of tributes from from pretty much all over the world of football and no one with a with a bad word to say and rightly so it's just you know no. it's just one of those things you kind of you, you don't see anything coming at all really and it, it's just totally out of the blue and, and if obviously if the reports are correct that, the, that he's ended his own life it's it's truly tragic that he, he felt there was no way out um albert i mean you know obviously you're you're a bit younger than myself and mark um but you know many memories of gary speed yourself i just remember him um always being ever present like i say being a bit younger and only sort of getting into football you know or being aware of football sort of in from late 80s early 90s yeah it's just a figure that was always there and seemed sort of like football's one of football's gentlemen which is a rare mm. thing and um, yeah it's sh- shocking really like you say just just goes to show that you know things like depression and, and what not are rife you know these footballers mm. seem like they're superhuman but you know they're just you know they're just regular guys like anyone else so yeah it's shocking yeah, it's a very good point. There was an excellent article in the, I think it was the, it's the Guardian, I think it is, that has the secret footballer. It was, it was only on Friday talking about the, you know, the impact of, um, certainly if pe- when people stop playing, for example, of how difficult that is for them to handle. And it's, 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 you know, it's a real, I mean, obviously there, there may be more to it than that. It, you know, for all we know, it, it could literally be anything, but I'm sure that, you know, that, that had an impact. I'm sure it clearly, you know, you're not in a, 
a sound state of mind to get into that situation. So it's a, it's a real shame. And, you, you know, you, that's where clinics like the sorry, clinics, places like the Sporting Chance Clinic and things like that, um, Priory and what have you, are there to help people. And, you know, you just hopefully this sort of issue will will get people talking about that side of things. You know, that a guy seemingly with everything to live for is, is sort of pushed into that position and doesn't feel he can, he can get any support. And, you know, there, I mean, obviously we don't want to dwell too long on it. Just obviously, you know, thoughts uh, were with those close to Gary Speed. And uh, I'm just going to say what a real shame it is and, and condolences to everyone on that. So, yeah, a bit of a... Uh, bit of a shock this morning seeing that but uh you know we've got plenty of palace things to talk about now uh the the thread of the week that we picked out it's it's not really it's, it's off of homesdale um it's it's not really something that's had many sort of uh, replies or anything like that but it, it sort of stands out really and it's uh, the thread title is zahar in the same class as maradona or messi uh, and it comes from an interview with george burley uh, i think he did on for the express i think it was um, specifically the comment um, where we, we were talking about this before we go into the wrongs or rights in it is he says that uh, Zahar is such a naturally gifted footballer uh, he impressed me from day one at Palace and you can see he has the sort of talent you can't teach which no one else has you know, which is good comments and I assumed um, looking at the headline it was a kind of sensationalist headline and it had been slightly misquoted but really he actually says this he says Zahar is the type of lad people just bounce off when they try to tackle him just like Maradona and Messi uh, the best player I've ever played against was Maradona and Messi is the same now Zahar has the same ability it's just an exceptional natural talent so he has said that Will has the same ability now um, the initial reaction um, was that people felt that George may have been on the uh, whiskey once more um, I, I'm going to sort of start yeah allegedly I, I'm going to start up, with George. <laughs> obviously it's um it's slightly sensationalist let's just say that and and i, I don't mean in, in any disrespect to wolf Saha, and i'll sort of say a bit more about how, what i think of him as a player in a minute but um but you know th there's a point to be made there and it, cl it clearly is you know it's unwise to start categorizing a, a player like wolf who's played he's played a lot of games but it's unwise to start putting that kind of a pressure on him really but uh, what i will say is i in, in his early days when he broke through I likened his, his sort of, um, not necessarily his style, but the way he was playing to, to a, like a, a young Cristiano Ronaldo. And I always hated saying it. I still hate it now. I rushed through that sentence because I, cause people immediately think that that's why I'm, I'm drawing a direct comparison in terms of Billy. I'm not really. What I'm saying is that, that he's the sort of player who will frustrate um, because, of, because he's, he's on that line between... You know, if what he does, if he gets what he does correct, it's going to end in a goal-scoring chance for either him or someone else if he gets it right. So if you, you know, if you watched football for any length of time, you know that more often than not, the players in that position are going to get more wrong than they get right. I.e., they're going to get tackled or their cross will get blocked or it won't quite make the place. That's going to happen more often than not, and that's why players like him are frustrating and. You know, there's a long list of players of that type who, who have that. And when they do get it right, that's when you look at, at players like players like Messi. He he has actually become so good that he gets those last-minute decisions right more often than not. And that's kind of where I think Burley's trying to go. But perhaps he was being a little bit too direct. Uh, I'm going to give, um, give Mark and Albert a chance for their opinion on this. Uh, Mark, uh, well, obviously... Aside from the direct comparison with with Lionel Messi, I mean Zaha. I know he's someone you're not necessarily been convinced with on a regular basis. I mean, what's your your feelings on his ability? Well, no, I think 
I, I mean, I think Wolf is great, and he's come on really, really well this season, particularly this season. You know, he and he is, as you say, he can be a frustrating player. And um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I sort of get the gist of what George Burley's trying to say, but he's, as you say, he's is comparing him to Maradona and Messi is is kind of a little bit over the top. And I don't know whether bigging up Wilf like that is going to put pressure on him or maybe it will spur him on. I, I, I'm not really sure. I don't really know Wilf very well in terms of, you know, uh, other than seeing him before and after matches. And he seems quite a quiet, fairly shy, retiring guy. Yeah, but, much, yeah. You know, hopefully with Doogie will keep his feet on the ground. Uh, it, I, was, <laughs> I was kind of thinking when you were talking about him, if, uh, if uh, half of Manchester read that, and uh, I wonder what what they'll make of it come Wednesday if he features <laughs> in the game. You know, <laughs> whether, yeah, they, I, whether they'll be sort of like double banking and uh, trying to sort of nullify him. And uh, because as we've seen in the league this season, that uh, yeah. without a doubt that you know we've been sussed out, and Zaha is our most exciting player and an attacking threat. And yeah. um, sides have come and they've nullified it by you know double banking on him and by sort of putting an extra player on him or and cutting the supply to him so yeah uh, it, it's it, it'd be interesting on Wednesday night if he does feature I don't know obviously uh, like anybody how um, Doogie's gonna you know what he's gonna do about the team selection no, no. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later but um, mm. uh, yeah I'm, I'm sort of thinking I wonder what what one half of Manchester are thinking come yeah, come Wednesday. It's a, probably probably it's a, laughing in in the in the terms in mm. in being categorised in that, but uh, but it'd be interesting to see because uh, I mean he definitely is uh, potentially a great player, and I'm hoping that he stays at Palace for a few years and develops his career rather than is sort of taken on by one of the you know top top four six clubs and and sits on the bench for a couple of seasons. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, obviously he's in the right place to be playing. Um, I, th- I think there's a, there's a lot in what you said there. I mean, clearly the the upcoming game against Man United is a chance for him to to show what he can do on a bigger stage. Now, you would think that potentially he might get a bit more space and time when, you know, against the sort of Premiership defences, uh, you know, you te- generally get more time on the ball when you... It's it's not quite as hectic and, and as physical as the championship. Um, certainly in recent years, that's been the case. So, I, I think potentially he could really uh, he could really excel in that game. Uh, alternatively, mm. he, he, you know, he might not be able to cope with the pressure. It's going to be it's a good chance to see. Um, well, Albert, on that, I mean, obviously you, you've seen a bit of Wilf this season. You've seen the sort of progress he's made. Now, I know Dougie did call him a, a player of the year. Though I think Dougie described him as our best player even then. Uh, when he picked up a couple of awards, and he, he's gone from strength to strength. But uh, what's your feelings on this comparison? It's a bit ridiculous. Uh, um, you know, I can uh, yeah, I can see what Burley's trying to say, but I think he um, I think his gist might be um, a little bit pissed. Uh, I, he's great. You know, he's got he's got all the potential in the world. But you know, the, what makes a you know a truly Truly great player, and you know, bearing in mind he's only is he eighteen or nineteen? Uh, he's way. just come, I think he's just gone nineteen. Yeah. yeah, you know he's, and it was a perfect example in yesterday's game. You know, one on one with the keeper, you know, bearing down on goal, probably had 
better choices to pass rather than take the shot from such an acute angle. You know, I, th- I think once he and it, it was the same with Ronaldo. Once his decision making and his football brain sort of develops, you know, mm. he's, he's got the world at his feet really. But Absolutely. to say he's in the same class as those two now is um, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's a Chris, strange, do you think, strange thing. Yeah, strange. Do, you, do you think, Chris, uh, that that uh, I presume Wilf will probably have seen it, but um. Do you think that will help or hinder him if he plays on Wednesday? Um, I think uh, there's, there's if, kind of if two, anything at all. <clears throat> no, it will it will have an effect. He's someone who you can see from his interactions with people on on Twitter, and you can he's he's a very he seems to be. Let's not let's not pretend we know the guy, but we, he seems to be a very sort of attentive person with his football. But at the same time, you know he he's got a, he's got a lot of self belief, and he demands a lot of himself. Uh, you can see that on the pitch where he gets frustrated when he makes a mistake or something, you know, or misses a chance. But you know, he, I, I believe he, there, you know, with any with any great player, there's an ego there, and I believe, I believe that's the case for him as well. I believe, you know, he's, he's and I think this will feed that. And but the thing is, it's whether or not he's been correctly coached in, you know, both in football and in life to to use that as a positive, you know, because uh, obviously that's some pretty, people in play. Go on. So let's put it this way: If he tries to handball the goal, the ball into the goal on Wednesday night, well, no, he's he's taking it as an influence. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I just I hope. I, yeah, or he just plays on cocaine or something. Yeah. No, look, I think <laughs> you can't <laughs> say on, things like that. Can I not say that? <laughs> Maradona was on cocaine. I think I can say that. I'm pretty sure it was proved. If it wasn't, I apologise, Diego. I know you're a listener. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so is Lionel. It's not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just defended him. He's got a, no, look, he's got a suit, lawsuit coming out now. I think there goes that takes, interview. If he, if he, if Wilf takes it the way it's meant, and it's it's meant as a a compliment, and it's meant to say that you know he already possesses something that you can't teach. So as long as he learns the rest of the game correctly, he can go on to to great things. I think no no one can really argue with that. That's the case. Um, but I mean he has he has a way to go. Uh, but I think I think he I think he will take it as, as something to spur him on, and I and I genuinely believe if he's used from the start against Man United that he will put in a an impressive performance. Uh, whether or not that will make it that much harder to keep him, I I don't know. Obviously, we when we've spoken to uh to Steve Farish in the past, he's talked very much about having our young players on long contracts and not letting them go on the cheap. So let's let's hope that um no one throws so, yeah, there was an interesting point on HOLs. Um, one person posted about um, comparing Zaha and Moses at the same time in their mm. careers in terms of age, and um, somebody saying that Zaha is better than what Moses was at the same age, and mm. uh, and they said I put him about a year ahead of him in terms of development, which which really I think reflects well on on the management and um, Lenny Lawrence and Doogie Freeman because. He's he's not the finished article, and there was a lot last season. A lot of things. He was a very frustrating player last season. He still is to a certain extent, but he's still learning. But but he's come on so so much this season. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, and and uh, all that credit, I think, has got to go to to the way he's been coached and looked after and advised, and you know all the people that are around him. He's obviously in the you know yeah. in the right place at the moment. You know, I think Palace is good for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously, well, a lot of credit has to go to him as well for, for, for you know for putting the effort in and learning. I know he's 
Dougie's also spoken about him being a very good trainer as well. So, yeah, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, lots of uh, lots of positives for Wilf at the moment. I don't think hopefully he won't let that get to his head, you know, go to his head too much. Uh, just want a quick mention to the chat room again. There's apparently it's a bit sparse in there today. I think that's probably more to do, do with some of the reprobates that are in there every week. But it's www.wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Go and join the guys in there and uh, and talk about the stuff that's hopefully the stuff that's going on on the show as much as some of the other subjects that might crop up yeah good luck with them um <clears throat> all right we'll leave we'll leave that subject to wilf there you know and obviously just say that you know we obviously rate wilf and and i know roughly what george burley's trying to say to a point but i think he's got a little bit crazy there <clears throat> but let's talk about that <laughs> uh we've not well look we'll, we'll let's let's sum up the game obviously nil nil uh and it was a it was a disappointing game. Uh, you 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 want to win those games, and you want to see incidents, and you want to see passion. You want to see all those you know good positive things that you expect from a derby match, like we got um, when we went up to oh, sorry up to down to Brighton and uh, and and dealt with them quite nicely. So there's a disappointment there, and most of that disappointment comes from the missed penalty by Glenn Murray, of course, but. I mean, before that, as a sort of a summary, and hopefully you guys agree with my, my very rough summary, I'd sort of say that um, it was very much a scrappy sort of 50-50 first half. Uh, early chance um, for Glenn Murray, but obviously Defender got a toe on the cross and just knocked it behind him. Um, Scannell failed right on the edge of the area. Could have been a pen, you know, a bit of a dodgy one. But, you know, we, we, we had the better of the play, I would say. Um but yeah, going in with a draw, I think is probably a fair thing at half time. Second half, we we looked a lot better, much stronger team. Uh, they were playing very much on the break, and and in all honesty, we should have won that game, and, that, and that's why it's a disappointment. Uh, but a few of the specifics. I mean, obviously, we'll we'll just chat as we normally do, guys. But first thing I really wanted to talk about was um, the sort of starting position of Chris Martin, if you like. Now. <clears throat> well, sorry, I've got such a cough today. It's very unprofessional of me. Um, he obviously, I saw the team and I thought, well, hang on, we've got a four-four-two here. We've got Martin up alongside Murray, and we've got Scanner and Zaha on the wings. But uh, when the team lined up, you had Martin in that that role vacated by the injured Johnny Williams, if you like, or and where KG's been playing. It's sort of slightly the advanced midfield role, but certainly not a, a striker. And I was I was a bit disappointed with that. Um, Mark, uh, yeah, is, that, is was, that how you uh, saw the line? Yeah. yeah, I was I was quite excited when I saw the team line up. Um, it was a lot more attacking from Doogie than of late, which was nice to see. Two up front on paper, but as you said, Martin played very deep. Was never very close to Murray, and uh, as usual, Murray was battling away on his own, and Martin was sort of. 10 yards behind him or something like that and he was completely ineffective it was just I mean Murray needs a strike partner particularly when we're at home and uh, I thought when I saw that team sheet great Martin and Murray they seemed to create a few chances at Leicester the other week between them and I was I was impressed but it didn't pan out like that as we've said and it was disappointing because um, uh, I was hoping that um, he was really going to adopt a more attacking style and, and it was more attacking on paper but we didn't play an attacking style really because Martin, yeah, yeah, say, Martin kind of filled the sort of 
forward forward midfield role if you like or just behind the yeah, very striker, much so, yeah. or whatever you want to call it and uh it was just he was just totally ineffective I, I think i mean from what i've seen of martin which isn't an awful lot he is just an out and out striker so what what Doogie was trying to do I have no idea but I think well, the fact that he set up with four attacking players he obviously you know on paper you could say he was sort of playing 4-2-4 by playing um, Martin Murray Zaha and Scannell all in the starting lineup four attacking but maybe he thought that's too much we, we need someone back in midfield you know to, to win the ball pick up the ball to spray the ball around or whatever and he chose Martin to take that role you know mm. but uh yeah, it didn't yeah. work anyway. Well, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, it seemed obviously it did seem like he was um, rather than he was just pick, picking him to fit the system rather than pick, changing the system to accommodate him. Um, you know, and th- that's obviously the two ways you can go. When, but if you, I think at the end of the day, what you say is correct, Mark. You, if you you sign a striker, you play him up front. Really, that's you know, that's what. But I mean, that's I mean, it's a harsh criticism. He, he was just lost, wasn't he? He was just lost. He was in, to a point. I mean, listen, the, the, the Norwich fans did say when we signed him that he does like to play deep. He does like to play, and he has played wide for Norwich, and he does like to drop in behind. But he just wasn't close enough, and I think a lot of that had to do with um, the desire for us not to concede. And, the, you know, when Scannell and, and Zaha were, were getting forward, you know, he sort of had this almost this duty to sort of drop back and cover some space. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted, uh, when I wanted to ask Albert the next question, really. Um, do you think, and it's quite a, it's sort of like, but this is my opinion, and it's just a case of do you agree or do you have a different slant on it, really? But I think that there's, um, Dougie's kind of picking a team and a, and a system uh, because he know he thinks that playing, say, four four two, we don't have the ability to keep a clean sheet, if you like. We're too weak in the midfield, so we need to play this sort of one up front, three behind, sort of four, two, three, one system. He thinks we need that because that's the way we don't concede goals. Do you think that there's something to do with that as why we're not seeing an orthodox four four two? Yeah, I think it probably, it's one of those things that it goes round and round in circles. You know, we before the international break, we, we'd done really well at not conceding, but that was obviously because we were playing the system that, you know, you've just described. So, you know, is it a case of, are we were we not conceding because of the players or were we not conceding because of the system so I think mm. you know like I said we thought it was going to be 4-4-2 on paper and it, it wasn't and you know again kept a clean sheet but you know what we didn't score either and um, I'd rather con- I'd rather concede you know if that's going to you know maybe increase our chances of scoring you know I'd rather see a one all draw or you know mm. it's just this we're not getting goals at both ends you know we're not conceding we're not scoring and I think yeah. we've got to believe, believe in ourselves a bit better and you know, and um, to, you know, trust the players to you know yeah. have to have two people up front because Murray was creating chances that no one was getting on the end of, and you know there was a couple of sort of you know plays where Zaha and Martin were creating chances that no one gets on the end of. So people are all creating, but you know Murray at times when a ball's coming towards him, there's no one within, let alone you know spitting distances, isn't the broad enough term. You know he's just so yeah. isolated. Absolutely. Don't you, don't you think um, it's? I think I agree with you. Were you alluding to the fact that basically it doesn't matter what eleven players he puts out, Doogie, he's going to play the same system every week. And having gone for so long without scoring and four or five games without winning, mm. you think you know 
you'd do a combination of the both, change the yeah. personnel and change the system and play the players in their correct positions to do yeah, the jobs that they were yeah, brought in to do. Martin is a striker, play him as a striker, not as a midfielder or an attacking midfielder. And, and it yeah. just seems like we're going to keep this system because we're not conceding and then we're not losing in that respect, not at home anyway. And it doesn't matter who he picks, we're going to play with this very defensive setup, even at home. Yeah, I'll tell you what it is, Mark. Basically, what it is, is I, I think I, I see something like... Sorry, Albert, I will, I'll hand over to you in a sec, mate. What I think what it is, is where you see... We changed the system up at Leicester, for example, um, after, after we went 1-0 down. We went to a 4-4-2. We created a ton of chances that we should have put away. Yeah. But then we got caught on the break with two... I mean, okay, two great goals, but we were caught on the break, okay? So that I, the, what the point I'm kind of making is that that kind of instant would, would sort of show Dougie, look, if you go after a game, you're going to concede, um, if you know what I mean. It's, I, I'm just worrying that that sort of thing is having an effect, where we, we play in the system, <clears throat> we're not conceding a great deal, and then we go after something and suddenly we, you know, we've conceded two quick goals. I worry that that might be having a, a negative influence on Dougie. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I think... I worry that we're overstating it because because we've had a run. It's all our results seem to be in runs. We have a good run, we have a bad run. You know, we're either con we're consistent one way or the other in some ways. And I think perhaps we're overstating it because if you look at, at the incidents of the game, uh, and we'll go into a few more before we're done. <laughs> if you look at the incidents of the game, there was enough there for us to have won it and, and probably won it comfortably. Um, it wasn't a great performance, but. They rarely threatened, um, and you know we've missed a penalty. We've been denied at least one, potentially another. We've had Murray, you know, overhead kick being saved by the keeper. We've, you know, we've we've had enough to win that game, and you know one of those goes in, and it's a different feeling. And and I think it's confidence. I think, um, sorry, Al, but I really should hand over to you for a sec. But I think it's a lot of it is confidence. When you look at a team that's suddenly gone long ball like we have. Um, that's not how we're really set up. It's an option if there's no other pass available. Dougie's certainly given us that option by having Murray up there. But uh, but when but when the long ball is happening more often than not, it's because people aren't giving the player on the ball as many options as he needs to to make a, another pass. So I think I think it's a confidence issue more than anything. Albert, you had a point to make. <laughs> yeah, but I've forgotten it now. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I don't know Chris Martin that well, um, so I can't. You know, I'm not really including him in this, but I just don't. You know, and I hate the term I'm about to use, but who's our who's our sort of fox in the box striker? You know, the, the chance. I, I know we're saying that that cross took a slight deflection. That's why Murray didn't bundle it in, and it sort of ties into something I've been sort of hinting at the past few weeks. You know, I think Jermaine Easter, really, you know. You know, is definitely worth a starting place at the moment. You know, just to try it because he's, you know, he's, he's not gonna, he's not gonna pull something out of the bag from 20 yards like Glenn Murray can. But you know, he, he put, if you look at the goals that Jermaine Easter scores, they're him getting on the end of a Zaha cross or a Par cross or Scannell. You know, he he really throws himself at the ball when it's in and around sort of the six yard line. And I think that's really, that's really what we're missing at the moment. You know, e even if it's a case of Easter and Murray, you know, just someone that's going to really bust the gut to get on the end of those flicks and touches. Yeah. And, you know, even, even if it comes off his knee from two yards out, you know, that's better yeah. than what we're doing at the moment. It is. I think what didn't do Easter many favours was, um, 
I, I think it was, in fact, the Coventry game. He did get get the goal at the end there, the winning goal. And as you say, from a position in the six-yard box, you know, scrambling on the end of something. And what a great moment that was. But it was in that game that Zaha put... It was, it was you know, it's where he started to really find a bit of form. And he must have put, you know, six, seven absolute gems of crosses in. Uh, and Easter was nowhere to be found. And I know I was one of a, of a lot of people very frustrated that night. And I think those sorts of things haven't really done him any favours where he hadn't been in positions that you'd expect goal scorers to be in. But in his defence, we've, we've seen similar things from Murray. And it's it's because these guys are on their own. They've got one, they've got one chance, kind of like, you know, pick near post or far post or do I drop back? They've got one opportunity. And if it doesn't go to them, there's no one else it's going to go to. So... I think I think it's a it's a lot of swings and roundabouts, and we have to get we have to get that decision right. And at the end of the day, I don't think we're getting enough people in the box. I think we've got someone, certainly someone on one wing in Wilf Zaha, who's capable of, you know, beating a defender or three, and getting the ball in the box. But I mean, I think we can all see that a lot of his crosses are, are low and are getting to the near post. So why isn't someone there? Hmm. And it's because we haven't got enough. Enough players in four positions, I think. That's kind that's kind of how I see it. And I and I think you're right, potentially having someone certainly Easter's not done a lot wrong. He works hard when he's when he's in the team. He's you know, he's picked up a few goals this season. Um you know, in the day we didn't want to use him, we shouldn't have signed him. Um, and we did, you know, Dougie was, was as much part of him signing as as anyone. So so yeah, it's a it's a strange one and bringing in Martin if we're not gonna play him up front seems pointless to me. But what did, I guess we'll see. What did you make of the midfield selection, Garvin and and Yednak? Because it seemed to me we had, uh, you know, we had Garvin who can pass but can't run, and then we had Yednak who can run around and not pass. Uh, <laughs> I would not much rather have seen, I mean, Wright or KG in there for Yednak because I'm not one to you know really rant on about how bad a player has been, but yeah, he yeah. was absolutely shocking yesterday. He was, yeah. Um, he's had some. He's had some good games recently. So, in his, that's in his defence. I, I want to point that out for for a start. And you know, he's, he's since he had uh, went away of Australia, he's he's sort of struggled in a in a couple of games. Um, he he has this thing about overhitting a pass. Um, I don't quite know what it is, but, but I mean, certainly a lot of his his off the ball work was good. Um, but I don't think he's—he doesn't seem to be the type of player I thought we'd signed. It, he doesn't seem to fit into any real category. Um, you know, he—we've got—we had a midfield yesterday that was was given time on the ball and was unable to do a great deal with it. Um, I think Liam Trotter in in the Millwall midfield, uh, say number six for anyone who doesn't know who he is, he um the gobby he one. to me yeah the gobby one yeah, but he to me showed what what we're missing in midfield and that's a player who can you know who can use both feet and who's prepared to run with it and to accept a pass and to get in people's faces he's you know to do everything and i think both garvin and jednak suffer from being a little bit on the slow side now i i, I want to defend garvin a bit here because i i like him as a player i think he's a he's a very strong midfield player when used correctly um he's just coming back into the team after a a, a bit of a break um so I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt but I, I agree with you i don't think that as a midfield partnership was the correct decision uh, i think garvin needs i wouldn't necessarily say david wright as as a midfield partner 
because David's not the quickest. Um, I think we did miss him to a point yesterday. But I think certainly I would I would have liked to have seen a bit more pace in there with, with KG. Uh, Mark? Mm. Yeah, well, I thought KG, since he, as you said, he went to Australia, he was shocking uh, at Leicester, wasn't he? And he was, his passing is just piss poor, mate. It is absolutely woeful. And as you said, he overhits his passes, or if he doesn't overhit them, he drills them at his teammates, like like he's shooting at them. It's just unbelievable, and he's not creative at all. And he's not the player that I thought we'd signed from, you know, the from the YouTube clips and from the write-ups and from what other people had said about him. We were told that attacking from the our friends in Australia, yeah. yeah. And but I have to say, anyway, he had a poor game, end of, and he's had a couple of poor games, and I don't think the midfield worked yesterday. It was good to see Garvin back, and he did show glimpses of what he is about, but he was clearly not match fit, and he was shattered after an hour, and Doogie didn't take him off, and we only made two or three substitutes. He should have been substituted, and Doogie, I suppose he just wants to give him game time, but he mm. was a passenger for the last 20 minutes. He did absolutely mm. nothing, and we had people like Jonathan Parr on the bench, you know, and and to- and and not used, and you know, it's just like I just found it completely bizarre. He was mm. he was like he was on his haunches almost. He was breathing like I would if I was running for the bus, you know. And it was <laughs> just um, you know, it was just um, and he just left him on the park, and he was and he couldn't do anything. He was just a passenger. It was just yeah. Uh, the last twenty minutes were so back and forth. He couldn't keep up mm. with his own team and he couldn't keep up with the Millwall team you know, he's not he quick just... but I mean it, that was ridiculous yesterday mm. I mean, he was walking That's, around it's an interesting point guys I don't I don't again I hate hasn't hastened to bring up the point that whether or not we would quite notice these things so much had had one of those chances gone in um, I, you know at the end of the day we didn't concede while Garvin was on the pitch for the last, those, those last 20 minutes but it's, it's also valid to say we didn't create a huge amount so that's, it's an interesting point I just want to have a quick break to, to read Graham Burt's email because um, it's on the Millwall game and it seems um, it seems an, an ideal opportunity to sort of to mention it really so Graham says um if you don't convert a penalty and other clear-cut chances, then you really don't deserve to win. I feel sorry for Murray, who also missed a great chance early on, but otherwise did well and led the line really well. It's easy to judge with hindsight, but surely Ambrose should have taken the penalty. Penalty miss aside, I thought we were, did okay. Garvin is lightweight and simply not up to it. Already we're missing Williams' creativity in midfield. Zahar was exciting as usual and Klein was magnificent. We can only hope he changes his mind and puts pen to paper on a new contract, but I doubt it. Yeah, me too, Graham. Um, he says, I'm worried we might run out of steam against Derby on Friday, having run rings around the Reds on Wednesday. <laughs> but see, us nicking a win on Wednesday, but coming up against Dar- uh, coming up against Derby, I think he's losing against Derby. That said, I'll take a place in the League Cup semi-finals any day. Um, finally, I wasn't impressed by the policing post-match yesterday. Coming out of the half weight straight into hordes of Millwall fans wasn't my idea of fun. My fighting days are well behind me, so I decided discretion was the better part of valour. Surely we should have been, surely we should have been kept in the ground until Millwall fans had dispersed. Well, there's, a, there's a few bits to put point, uh, pick up on there. Um, if I start with the the penalty, guys. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, penalty, penalty. Yeah, I bet you. Have. <laughs> <laughs> penalties, penalties do get missed. Okay, that's the first thing I'm going to say. I, they get missed by all sorts of players all of the time uh you know it's a pressure situation anyone who steps up in that situation to take a penalty deserves credit anyway um but 
the substitution timing although as Dougie quite rightly said a, a professional player shouldn't really be affected by it but first we have the situation of the club penalty taker coming on and not taking a penalty uh, we then have the situation that Garvin who has uh, has been the penalty taker in Ambrose's absence in the past uh, did initially grab the ball but Glenn wanted it um, so we all, we have a, we have a few little bits in there that that all made for a, a, a culmination of you know what ended up being quite a quite a horrendously sliced penalty. So let's let's talk about that, Mark. Uh, what were your feelings generally on seeing that once that had got missed? Well, the life and soul went out of the side, didn't it? When that missed, you could see how desperate everybody in the ground and on the pitch, the Palace. Uh, fans anyway and uh, players were desperate to for us to score to get the monkey off our back a London derby poised at nil nil 20 odd minutes to go whatever it was no wins in four games no goals in god knows how long and then all of a sudden we win a penalty everybody goes delirious and then it's about five minutes before the penalty is actually dispatched mm. and if anyone can give me a solid reason why you would build the pressure and the tension on Murray, on the penalty taker, in that situation, the London derby, nil-nil, for all the stats I just mentioned, yeah. Murray's got plenty of time to stand there, think about it, change his mind, uh, you know, uh, wonder whether it's actually him who's supposed to be taking the penalty. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know, yeah, added doubt. Yeah, added doubt, Mark. Yeah, yeah. And and the whole thing was just you wouldn't see it on a Sunday league. They never, you know, they, you know, it's just bizarre. It was it was an awful piece of management, in my opinion. And I, I'm not like a doogie hater or anything like that. But if anyone can tell me why you would make a substitution between being awarded a penalty and actually taking the penalty, or if anyone's ever seen that before, I'd like to know because. It wasn't like there was an injury or anything like that. And initially, I really did think Ambrose was coming on to take the penalty. Yeah. And I, yeah. I agree with you. I saw Garvin pick the ball up first. Then Murray is obviously dying, you know, for a goal himself. And the last time he took a penalty, he blasted it straight down the middle. No problem. This one was about three feet wide. Minimum. And... uh uh, it'd be interesting to see what Murray is made of, really, character-wise. You know, hopefully it won't yeah. affect too much, but well, it won't help his confidence, that's for sure. Well, let's let's uh, try and answer, like, yeah, answer that query of of why 
well, of whether we've ever seen that before. I, certainly, I've never seen a, a substitution happen at, at that point. And, and like we say, a culmination of the fact that it wasn't just any substitution, it's the club penalty taker coming on uh, when there'd already been a dispute between the two people of who was going to take it. So we've, we've kind of got that situation. But I just want to get your opinion, Albert, on, on, on the whole fiasco. I mean, have you ever seen that before, anything like that? I've, I've seen it before, but um, only amongst school kids on a playground you know just yeah there was there was no there was no you say Garvin picking up the ball Murray taking it back meanwhile the, like you say the club penalty takers coming on the pitch mm-hmm. yeah it was, and shock, uh, shocking penalty I had to duck you know it was, it was, <laughs> it was like it was aiming at me um, yeah but it just it just summed the whole afternoon up for me to be honest um yeah, it's poor. I mean, it is it is one of those things, though. I mean, obviously, penalties penalties do get missed, and for all we know, it, the substitution doesn't happen. Uh, Garvin goes and takes it. Garvin might have missed you. It's one of those things. It kind of like the benefit of hindsight is always fantastic, um, and no one would would have said a word, and no one would have said a single word if that penalty goes in about when the, the substitution time or anything like that. It's just when you look when an incident like that happens, you, you're looking for you're looking for answers, you're looking for reasons, and. But- uh, but but there is but clearly there is there's a case to be answered. You know, I mean, I'm just I'm just suggesting that there's always another side and there's always for still. me. I mean, I'm, I'm not a professional footballer. I don't claim to be you know a great penalty taker. But for me, it was most penalties that you see missed that are off target are normally ones that have been absolutely levered. Mm. You know, and they've they hit the hoardings and, and it's ah oh, you know this was it was so casual. And the other thing I hate in penalties is the old delayed run up and the hesitation. The stutter, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. it was it's, the, the ball just seemed to travel for ages, and you know, it looked like it was going wide, you know, before it even made sort of any way progress near towards the goal mouth. I just thought the whole thing was like from the the way the penalty was taken, the way it was decided who had taken the penalty, the whole thing just smacked of amateurism. You know, it was yeah. it was really disappointing. In such a vital, important game with the lack of goals. Mm-hmm for five six games before it for for that all to fall on that i thought it showed us up badly Mm, well harsh words from the lads there i can hear a noise mark are you typing with your clunky fingers no no i was just uh i was just going to uh i mean we could go on about this for forever but obviously there's no there's no point and as you say you don't know i mean we should have had a penalty five minutes beforehand and i said to the guy next to me next time there's any sort of um, contact in the box. We're going to get a penalty. Five minutes later, we did get a penalty. Is that the Zaha one? That, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, that because, was, because that was he unbelievable. Knew, he knew he messed it up. The ref or the lino, whatever you. And I knew that if the chance came, and it was shirt pulling on McCarthy, it was a foul. But it goes on every week, and nothing's ever given for mm. shirt pulling. But he had to even it up, and he did. The other thing, the point I wanted to make was was uh, at the other end of the pitch. Am I right or wrong? But at the start of the season, Julian Sproney, we started the season playing the ball on the ground. Julian Sproney used to roll it out to the back four, mm-hmm. and we used to build from the back. Now, he stopped rolling the ball out of defence, and as a result, we're not building from the back anymore, which I thought we were doing quite effectively earlier this year. Just long, aimless punts, and not very accurate ones, because Jules isn't the best it's, kicker in the world. Yeah. And it is so frustrating. And having seen us play earlier in the season... Uh, you know, rolling it out to Klein or McCarthy or Moxie and building from the back. Wouldn't, wouldn't have been it. Klein. 
All right, it wouldn't have Moxie, been Clark, you weren't yeah. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. yeah, or Ramage. I'll tell you what yeah. it is, mate. You're absolutely right. We did that more often, but it, it's not just. It's not that. I don't think there's been a conscious, conscious change. I don't think Dougie said, "Look, guys, uh, we're playing really well doing it this way." You know, building from the back. But what yeah, we need fair, to do now is just two, two no, minutes yeah, what, to go to the match. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and, and we're a goal down, but. No, what I'm, what I'm saying, mate, is that the thing the thing about a pass is that it needs to be is there's two people involved in a pass. Now, if Jules if Jules gets hold of the ball, looks up, and he's got players lacking confidence, not not putting themselves in a position to accept it, then he, he's just going to look long every time, and and that's what it is, in my opinion. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Dougie might have said, look. We, we we're not creating enough or, or whatever or when you know we're not we're not direct enough. I want you to get the ball long earlier. I want you to get get it to Glenn and get up and supporting him. But we're not doing that either. So so that's it what leads me to that's what leads though. me to believe it isn't a choice. It isn't a, a conscious choice. Okay, if if it was a conscious choice to play long ball, we wouldn't have Glenn Murray up there with no one around him. I you know it, it's it's one management one oh one. It's not it's not a mistake that Dougie would make. Um, with with the backing he's got you know what i mean it we're not doing it deliberately it's just it's the players unfortunately are are lacking a little bit of belief at the moment in each other and and it happens to all teams it's not just us it's not just this division all teams go through it when when you get a little bit of a confidence knock there's just that little bit of movement and um um you know just giving your teammate not just one option because if you give your teammate one option then the opposition know what he's going to do and it's it's frustrating to see and you're right we've played so much more long ball than we had in in recent history and it it's it is frustrating and you're and it does start at the back uh you know but i don't again i say i don't think it's a conscious choice i hesitate to criticize the management for it because i think it's it's not um it's not been being coached that way i don't know if you see it that way albert Oh, yeah, I think you're right. It's a bit of confidence thing, and I, I, again, I don't know what was going on with um, Anthony Gardner yesterday, but he seemed very happy to let the ball bounce, you know, once or twice in front of him, which is, you know, a, def- a defending, you know, no, no. Um, yeah, uh, it's hard to it's hard to you know put your finger on what it is that isn't working. And I mean, Moxie yesterday, I thought Moxie was disappointing. Kept getting beaten. But is it Liam Feeney? Just kept getting in behind. And, and if if he could he have was good, Feeney crossed, though he was good. He, if he, he could have he, crossed the ball any better, we'd have been in serious trouble because I mean he he, yeah. he had Moxie on the ropes yeah. for yeah, most of the game, him, didn't he? he did. But his he, final he was, ball, yeah. shocking. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, and I don't. Again, Moxie was was. Look, it was very much forward-thinking all game. Well, he um, created that that fantastic chance for Murray after about did, five yeah. minutes, but he gets caught. His positional but sense is what worries, worries me. He's great yeah, in the tackle. He's great in the tackle. He runs his heart out. He wears it on his sleeve, but he that's what gets he brings caught out positionally. Positionally, he just. Mm. He also sure. had a lot of coins in the back of his head, which probably he didn't did, help. Yeah, yeah, and some bottles of <laughs> what either, was either beer or piss. But no, look, I, I, <laughs> it's Carling. It's the same thing. Yeah, it, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> other shit beers are available. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's sponsorship by Carling. God, Albert, hope you're happy. Um, no, look, I just think I, I, if if Moxie had the kind of game where he could give us all the positives he gives us of. You know, bombing down that wing. He's good at you know, he's good at intercepting the ball. He's a good attacking threat. If you could couple that with 
with fantastic defending and positional awareness, he wouldn't be our left back. He'd be in the Premiership. So I think you know we've got a right to expect a certain amount, but um, but all of you know most of our players have, have have weaknesses that mean that they're playing Crystal Palace and not not someone someone else. But yeah, you know, uh, do you not, not think though? Sorry, I was going to say, Chris. Do I mean I, I I've said this probably repeatedly on this show and <laughs> repeatedly in the pub, but uh, Jonathan Parr to me is a great outlet for Dean Moxie. They really, really complement each other, obviously both being naturally left-footed. Mm. And what you find, I, I, this is what I was trying to describe last night in the pub, probably pissed. But <laughs> basically, like Scannell, I don't remember, but this is, it went something like this. Scannell <laughs> plays on the left side yeah, of the midfield yeah. at the moment, going yeah, yeah, forward. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Moxie... He all he never takes the touchline particularly. He always cuts inside. So Moxie invariably, instead of being able to play the ball down the line, he has to cut inside and then and then and then deliver a ball which would have to be a stunning ball for for to get Scannell on the end of. Parr drops for him. He's always available on his outside on his good foot, and he you know provides you know this sort of interaction. There's such a big gap between Moxie and Scannell. You know, he Scannell goes running and expects this ball to be delivered to his feet. Is it like Lionel Messi sort of style? And it's never going to happen because it's Dean Moxie. <laughs> and and the thing is, uh, he's always having to turn in, cut in, and and it's you know it just doesn't suit the game. And that's what I like when they play together. Remember Ipswich, Moxie and Parr were swapping. Well, well, I'm gonna. Fantastic together, and I and I think yeah. that he's mate, missing a trick there, don't you? Mate, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, well, I tell you what, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna completely agree with you in this. The, the reason is, um, Ipswich Scannell played uh, wide left. Uh, and I'm not saying. I mean, Parr obviously was involved, but but Scannell was dropping left of, uh, up front. But what? No, what I what I will say on this, uh, you're making a, a good point. But I think when when I've seen the problem I have with Parr as playing as a full as the further forward of the two. Is that he can't go past a player really? Uh, he well, he can knock a ball past a player and run, but when a defender just squares him up, he he um he doesn't have that because he's not you know he's a left back basically. He can play any in a, in a variety of positions, but he's essentially a left back playing you know ultimately he's playing out of position. Um, and he yeah he's not he's not the player that that someone like Scannell can can do. He, he's not going to take someone on and beat them really. Um, and that's and I and I kind of agree. But I'm starting to to change my opinion. Earlier on in the season, I thought we should have Moxie left back, Par left midfield. And now I'm thinking, you know what? Some of those people are right. I would prefer Par left back and and Moxie playing left midfield where he has played before, and maybe give that a go for a while because Dean Moxie's got a lot of pace um and he showed he showed on on saturday yesterday in fact that he can uh, he can get past a player because he did it very very early on and i, I know another point you're making two natural left footers yeah that's all i'm side. saying it doesn't matter yeah, who yeah, they yeah. are it yeah. just happens to be the two natural left footers at the club are moxie and par but i mean yeah. uh, that's all really yeah, i can see i can point. see the point <laughs> all right listen we haven't got a, a, a huge amount of time um oh, forgot to do the news article mikey says i wonder what that means We've missed something out again. Um, look, before we before we completely uh, stop on the Millwall thing, I've got a couple of things to mention. I just want to have a quick chat about Graham's point on the police as well. Um, but um, what we shall... Uh, sorry, I will, uh, I'll pick it up now. I wanted to mention that um, John Marquis up front for Millwall, uh, number nine, 
Now he's up front on the floor. Up front and on the floor. Um, one of the most shocking displays of of general forward play and a di- and diving that I've seen in quite a long time. Um, but the other thing that just struck me about it, and next time you see him, have a little think. He's like a young Steve Claridge. It, it, oh, I thought God. I actually thought they'd sign Claridge from the past. It was just disturbing. Really was disturbing. So have a look out for that next time. But Jesus, I have no idea what the the hell is going on with him. But um, yeah, interesting player, put it that way. Uh, but certainly, certainly threw himself about a bit. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to mention is, uh, guys, who maybe saw Kenny Jackett's comments after the game. He said um, he was talking about the refereeing decisions, and he said uh, he said, you know, we obviously we haven't got the rub of the green. And he said that's what happens when you're the away team, and you're he says, and when you are the smaller club. Oh. That's nice, isn't it? He's realised that Millwall are a smaller club than Palace. Oh, that's good news. Thanks, Kenny. We appreciate that, mate. I'd also like to point out that he he claimed that they had more shots on goal and more shots in general, when statistically that's not true. Yeah, but (laughs) that is not true either. But he also does never seize the bottles that get thrown by the Millwall fans either. So um, that's an interesting one. I, I... Personally, you know, I'd be quite angry with Dougie if he came out and called us a smaller club than Millwall. So I don't know how the the Millwall folk will feel about that. But but yeah, I, I'm I'm quite quite impressed with Kenny's comments there. Well done, mate. Um, right, the last little bit on that was uh, the um, policing. I don't want to go into a huge amount of detail because it's a huge subject, to be quite honest. But obviously, uh, those of you who are at the game would know that there was an announcement in the in the in the stadium saying that. Um, when Palace fans came out onto the Homestead Road, they weren't able to turn left and head down towards Norwood Junction. They had to turn right onto Clifton Road, uh, basically restricting where Palace fans could go because of the need to police Millwall fans. Unfortunately, they forgot that we had some fans in the Arthur Wait. So Graham's one of those who um, basically came out the the Arthur Wait straight into a horde of Millwall fans, and and you know that's we've we've seen some over the top policing that's kept well lost us out lost us a lot of money in terms of being able to sell tickets to Millwall um Nick's asking did many get in for free as far as I know no not many got in for free depends on who you speak to everyone seems to know someone who did but you know what can I say um but well I'm sure that will come out in the wash so to speak um, may they burn in hell yeah yeah but I mean it certainly wasn't that. it's this uh, <laughs> yeah there certainly wasn't 3,000 of them um, trying to storm the gates like everyone worried about. So, you know, in some some aspects, I guess the police probably think that as a victory. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, you know, it's a mess, really. Everyone get every single year we get this with Millwall, like the away game, people worry about the trouble that they're going to get into. And at the home game, everyone thinks it's going oh, to be hordes of Millwall. And it's never a problem. It, it's always overstated. Um, you know there are incidents and all that sort of stuff, but it could be policed a lot, lot easier than that. Oh, Albert's disappeared. There's just an uh oh, and he's cut off. He'll mm. be back sir, at some point, I think. Um, okay, so I won't go to Albert for that. But I mean, Mark, did you, did you experience any issues with Millwall? No, because I was in the pub. No, oh, I was in yeah. the red and blue bar straight after the game for a couple Good or work. two or three, and. Yeah. Uh, I let that all disperse and uh, then I went down the pub and got home very late and feel very, very rough today. But that's another story. But, uh, mm, <laughs> smack bottom. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, I was going to say, on a, on a bright note, there was uh, an interesting, on a thread someone had put on HOL about yep. this time last season. 
and our situation after 18 games was 17 points and 23rd in the league and we have 26 points and our 10th and of course we're in the quarterfinals of the Carling Cup yeah, exactly so it's not all doom and gloom everyone out there it is not it's, all doom and gloom it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, there is we, we've sounded actually we've been very negative today I think it's yeah, no, bad it's we're usually, it's usually a positive but I, I, and I'm, I'm only pointing that out because, you know, putting everything in perspective, you know, about where we were 12 months ago or t- two years ago as well. Um, and when you look, you know, we are doing well. We could have gone into the top six if we had one yesterday. All right, we didn't. We're 10th. We're pretty comfortable in 10th at the moment. And we've only conceded 17 goals in 18 league games. And we haven't conceded at home since... I think a John Carew header for West Ham on the 1st of October. And mm. and the thing that's impressed me the most, and I asked Doogie this at a Q&A thing um, uh, beginning of the season, the on-field discipline has improved beyond belief. Uh, I mean, players are being sent off left, right and centre last and suspensions and everything. And we've had, I think, 24 yellow cards in 18 games and no sendings off. So I think a pat on the back to... to uh, yeah management on yes. that in that respect because a club of the size of Palace with a squad the size of Palace have got we don't need uh, free match suspensions to our sort of you know our, our better players or any of our players to be quite honest so you know we are we are I think we're in a, still in a good position you know the club financially as well so you know I think things on the park we've had a bit of a hiccup but you know roll on Wednesday night and then and then hopefully Derby are on a poor run. Hopefully we can do some something on Friday. Yeah. Well, talking about Friday, we're going to have to move on now because we've rambled on incoherently for some significant period of time. We need to pre have a quick chat about this Manchester United game that I hear so much about. Um, <coughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> um. Yeah, it's quite shocking, really. But anyway, moving swiftly on. Um. Okay. Listen quarterfinals of the the league cup uh, we've not been there since mm, a couple of se- few seasons back when we played Sheffield United and lost um then before that, I think we played Liverpool and lost uh, I think it's been ever since the 90s when we played Arsenal in the semi-finals I think that's we haven't, haven't been that far since then so yeah been a while since we've uh, we've seen this um obviously draw couldn't have been much tougher really uh but it's uh it's a one off game, it's a cup game. We've all seen shocks throughout the throughout the season. We've already knocked out premiership opposition of some sort. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh well let's talk about the goalkeeping position for a start. Um Lewis Price has been the League Cup goalkeeper. He's done pretty well. I know some people who don't rate him. Um but I'm uh, I'm relatively happy with with how he's done considering he hasn't played regularly. Uh Mark, would you pick him? Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely, without a doubt. I would uh, stay loyal to those players who have played their part in the cup run and combine a bit of youth and experience. Uh, obviously, some of those players are no longer at the club as they were on short-term loans, namely Davis and Tunchev. They played yeah. in the earlier rounds. Yeah, Klein, did, wasn't, yeah. Klein wasn't about because obviously he was injured. Um, so... Uh, it's, I would pretty much stick to um, the same players that got us there. I'd tinker with it a little bit. I'd bring in Klein, a bit harsh on Parsons, didn't do anything wrong. I think I'd bring in O'Keefe because I, I was impressed from what I saw O'Keefe. And um, I think the, the 
the uh, big decision is uh, who would you play up front? <laughs> it is know. a big decision. I mean, well, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a very good question. Look, I mean, the obvious thing that we're we're missing is is now Johnny Williams. He's not going to get that opportunity to play at Old Trafford that he he deserved as a, as a strong part of the League Cup squad so far. Uh, so, I mean, that's but that's an opportunity for someone else. Um, we've got a question of would we want to deny Spironi the chance to play in arguably the biggest game of his life? Mm, that's a good question. No, I wouldn't want to, but at the same time, I don't know. It depends what we want. Is uh, is 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 Julian Spironi? I mean, he is a fantastic goalkeeper, um, but is is he gonna? have a su- that det- detrimental in effect um you know the keepers are sort of a unit at any football club and you kind of like you know where Speroni might be unhappy to miss out on that game he will understand that the lewis price is just working and working and working and every week sitting on that bench and every week you know might might genuinely put more effort in you know, well, I don't know. We see more effort. That's the wrong way of putting it. But basically, he's working every week with the knowledge that Julian Speroni is the number one, and he's not going to dislodge him. Um, but for for injury or a dramatic loss of form, and considering Jules has not lost form for the best part of four and a half, five years, the, the you know the chances aren't great. So in, in essence, I think someone like Julian Speroni, being the man he is, would probably i will probably be happy for for Price to keep his place. So that's my opinion on it. I just wanted to answer that that query really. But um, yeah, um, Nick Nick says that the upside of Williams' injury probably won't go in the Jan transfer, January transfer window. And that's one one thing as well. Without playing against Man United, that keeps him out of that shot window. But I would just argue that he's been in that shot window for for a significant period of time anyway. And we're lucky that he's committed himself to us. So, but yeah, back back to the issue of up front. Um, I don't. I don't think there's any sense in in taking huge risks. Um, I I agree with you that that we need to stick with the players who've been playing there, but I don't. By in some well, I don't want us to start at Old Trafford with with Calvin up front, for example, with the greatest respect to him. You know, I like I like Calvin, but you know, I want us to to do ourselves justice up there and and to pick our best players, in my opinion. Um, I, I just want us to go up. And we'll talk about Derby in a minute and what that means and that being, you know, the league game, that's our bread and butter. But but what's the point in going to Old Trafford and not just giving it a damn good go, you know? Just going after them, seeing if we can shock them. I don't know what team they're going to pick, but their reserves are full of internationals. So we might as well have a damn good go. Albert, what do you reckon? I have, yeah, I have uh, the girlfriend and her dad are season ticket holders up at Old Trafford and not, they assure mm. me that probably, you know, you'll, you'll be lucky to see a player such as Berbatov they say, they say it's going to be very much the kids so yeah. you know but, you know, they're, you know, we've got a chance we've got a chance so you know chuck a few of the first teamers on so mm. mix that with the team that got us there and you know what's the worst that could happen absolutely I play I think I play um, uh, Ramage at centre half with McCarthy and Moxie and Klein as fullbacks Price in goal and then it's it's difficult. Uh, I think I'd play Easter up front, and yeah. uh, I bring right back in. I'd stick with O'Keefe. He's played he's played well when he's when he's made yeah. his appearances. And then yeah, probably yeah. Chuck Chuck Garvin and Parin. I think that's what yeah. I'd do. And then uh, was was, y- was Yedinak yeah. in the cup team? 
I think um, he was I in some of the games, but not all of them. Yeah, I think he played. Well, that's an interesting one. I, he might have played Wig against Wigan. I'm not He's sure. Definitely I in think the Wigan it's, one. I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. As, as the kind of defensive linchpin, if you like. But um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think O'Keefe's an interesting one, actually, Mark. With you bringing that up, I think he's been. He's been the one who's done the sort of the David Wright work, if you like. He's and he, I don't know. I didn't realise he was that kind of a player, but he's the one, if you like, that I see having that kind. Of, when we were talking about um, Trotter earlier on in the in the midfield for for Millwall, I see O'Keefe's got a lot of those attributes in that he can do a bit of everything. You know, he's in no way is he scared of a challenge, um, but he can pass and he can run with the ball, and it's. It sounds, you know, sounds a bit simplistic to say that, but I think there's an opportunity for him, and I re- and I and I, I sh- sort of share your your opinion, Mark. I hope we do see him. I hope we see him come into that team, um, and I hope he and he, I hope he performs to a point where he starts threatening us for a regular first team place because I think he offers something different that the other midfielders don't for whatever reason. I think of the midfielders we've got, KG is the one who should be offering that, but there's something not quite right with him at the moment. Um, you know, number of misplaced passes and just just generally quite odd positional play. I don't really know what's what's up with him. He doesn't seem to have settled this season, really. But um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I would like very much to see to see the, the similar team to yourself, Mark. But I don't. Other than, other than O'Keefe, I don't want us to take huge risks. Um, and I think we need to respect the need for for the likes of Zahar and Scannell to test themselves against. A, a team like Man U, even if it is their, their team with their kids, so it's a difficult one. So let's let's talk predictions. We've had a few from listeners. I'll just I'll just read out the three that I have here. Uh, Palace stats said two one. I think that's to Palace. Crazy bastard. Um, Gary T one two three says five nil. I assume that's to Man U. And Doug Simon says four one again. Assumed to Man U. So there's, there's some, uh, that prediction thing, by the way. If you send us in your prediction for uh, any of the results and you get it correct, you're going to a draw at the end of the season to win next year's shirt. So if you've got any predictions for Man United or for Derby, tweet us. It's at Whole Radio or send us an email, radio at homesdale.net, and we'll stick you in the list. And if you get it right, you're going that thing. And there's already two people with, with shirts that we've paid for. I say we've paid for, I've paid for. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You're my hero. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Um... Yeah, well, uh, I mean, guys, what's your predictions, Mark? Well, it's all about what team we put out, what team they put out. It's very difficult to know. Um, my heart says um, a sneaky 1-0, but my head says probably 3-1 Man U. But that's just a kind of, you know, it's just a feeling, really. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that... There's a definite chance that we could, you know, if we can get a good start to the game, then I think we could put some pressure on and and mm. give them a bit of a scare. It would it would it would be a dream to win, obviously, but it would, yeah. I think I think it is very much a dream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Albert, what's your dream? Uh, one nil Ambrose. Mm. Own goal. Oh. <laughs> no, no, one nil Ambrose. Um, oh yeah, I'm going to go for the. Oh, I hate myself for doing it, but I think it'll just it'll be a, a, a regulation two nil to Manchester United. But I very much hope I'm wrong. 
and everyone can shove that back in my I've stupid had a, face. I've had a, I've had a bet with the uh, the girlfriend about it. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, I can't say what we've bet on it, but let's just put it this way: <laughs> someone's going down. <laughs> I love it. Good stuff. Um, we're not going to bother previewing Derby. Only just to mention, yeah, we've just run out of time, really, because you know we just talk a lot. But yeah, I mean, the issue with that is obviously we play two days later on. Um, I just want to get a quick word from the guys on um, whether or not they see that as. Um, as, as a potential huge problem for us, how we, you know, in using the squad. So, do you, do you see us, Mark, based on your your ideas of what we'll pick in the um, in the League Cup game? Um, do, you, do you see us uh, having any kind of a, a, an issue with the derby match? That's a good point, Mark. Well made. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> what has happened to Mark? Are you there? Uh, forget it. We'll move swiftly on. I'm just going to say that I think um, I think that the the derby game holds probably more importance at the end if we're if we're completely honest. But in terms of financial reward and the glory and the fun of it all, we've just got to go at Man United and and just do our best with with the the guys that are fit for derby. Um, the professional footballers, most of them, you know, we've moved the squad around quite a lot you know there's not that many people who've played every game so i think as a, as a kind of a one-off everyone's been playing sort of saturday tuesday saturday tuesday most of the season so you know technically it's only a, a sort of a day less rest for some of them so i don't know i, I think we've just got to go for it with, with man united and hopefully we won't suffer so much against derby that would be an interesting one to uh see what happens really if anything if we, if we go and beat man united somehow um, hopefully the euphoria of that will, will carry on to Derby and uh, and get us a result there. But um, you can yeah, bet it won't be the case. Yeah, I can pretty much yeah guarantee that. All right, well, just pick up on the last of the emails before we say goodbye. <clears throat> uh, I shall uh, shall read a couple and then and hand over to a to a few more uh, to Albert and potentially Mark if he ever re- reappears. Um, the first one was enough, just. Yeah, I think he probably has. The first one was uh, from Bambi, and it's just a mention, really, uh, the shocking news against about Gary Speed needed mentioning, which we did at the top of the show. But obviously, yeah, yeah, terrible, terrible news. Um, it says busy week coming up. How many players will we use out of our squad? Can we beat the Reds of Singapore? In, or is the Derby game more important? I think so. So yeah, he thinks that oh, yeah, just saying the Derby game is more important. Like I said, probably right. But, but for the sort of uh, for the glory of the game, I would sincerely disagree. I think we just have to go for it. Um, oh my God! I've just found out. I would like to to break for a second and and uh, talk to Mark. Mark, uh, apparently your microphone was on mute there. Yeah, I was just I put my mic on mute to have a drink, and now I forgot to <laughs> unmute it. So I was just talking to myself for five minutes, and I thought you were just. I know. I'm so professional. You're just all jealous, guys. Mm. <laughs> you sounded good, though. Yeah. You did sound good. It was my favourite thing you've ever Silence said. Silence is No sense you've made all night. <laughs> um, okay, well, Mark, now you're back. Can you, Mark, Mark, now you're back. Can you please uh, read out Nick Gussett's email for us? <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, right, email for Marcus. Thank you. All right, chappies, gutted to miss my first home league game in ages yesterday due to backache but at least I got to watch it on the internet thank you Mikey also for changing all the words on this was gloomy seeing my empty seat on the coverage no 
I thought that we should have won the game. It seems like we will never score. We've discussed that already. I'm hoping that once uh, we get uh, the Man U game out of the way, things will turn for the better. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to kill you, Mikey, after this show. Not, you can see <laughs> <chase> this Albert. <laughs> I've read a come few on, things about policing on. this game. What is your take on events? Well, we've already discussed that. Um, will will Millwall be fanned for bottle throwing? Um, I don't know whether we have to be whether we're fine for not controlling them or they get fined for throwing them. I've no idea. Did the toilet survive this time? Anyhow, it's time for another pancake. Perhaps it was be. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> kind regards from your loyal servant, Nicholas Gusset. Yeah, well, there was some kind of uh, message in there that was kind of not ruined at all by uh, people typing in the e email as you were trying to read it. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, the sort of the, the sensible point in there. No idea if the toilet survived. They usually don't with Millwall, but the sensible point in there is: Will Millwall be fine for the bottle throwing? They always seem to get away with it. Seems to get ignored. It was mentioned on the um, football league pre uh, the review program. So um, yeah, but I'm well, no doubt that that nothing will be said. Really, very disappointing. What did they uh, mention on the Football League preview then? Well, uh, just, it, just, on it, they just, didn't say anything. No, it was Leroy Rosinia. He's actually reasonably oh, good. But um, no, they just it, obviously they showed um, they showed the footage of it of it happening uh, during the actual highlights package. They sort of showed, sort of pointed out. They that showed the Millwall well, fan. The Millwall no, fan. No, no, right, no, his no, own no. fan. The one that hit his own. Fan oh no, the one that hit him on the head. That was fantastic yeah. to watch. If you saw, yeah. yeah, comedy gold. Comedy it gold. Was comedy it was. Gold. <laughs> no less than they deserved. I hope that one was full of piss. Uh, Albert, you've got a very exciting email. Uh, it's at, no, you've, you actually have. You've got Jerry's email. Off you go, mate. Here we go. I'm going to read it in the style of Jerry. <laughs> Advent greetings, Albert, Mark and fellow hosts. Slightly unlucky at Leicester as the result flattered the Foxes. For much of this encounter, we matched them in most areas, though perhaps for good reason. Thought the line-up was a bit defensive. Two mm. latter goals eventually knocked the stuffing out of us somewhat. Our most consistent and reliable performers were our defence, as this generally proved against Millwall. Our midfield True. remains a concern. Garvin had a very average game, as he appears to be not reactive enough. That's a good, good word. Um, mm. Lacking Too real anticipation. For, <laughs> for me, obviously that's Jerry, Owen didn't get closer enough to opposition players when competing in tackles. Yedinek as witnessed at Ipswich can play a mile better I think that might be melee. a little bit of a pun there a melee doesn't work if I say melee does it doesn't work no. it's, you got to read it um, yeah, right. with William's <laughs> absence we lack forward momentum we have missed Jonathan's energy Ed. influence and presence so much the midfield lacks real quality when creating chances yeah. uh what time is it? Uh, Scannell was our most effective striker, <laughs> though Murray, penalty miss aside, gave a competent performance. I feel great empathy for Glenn, as he still works his socks off, often ploughing a lone figure. So Hart played well, however. Sean, at this time, represents a greater direct goal threat when he gets the ball, rarely loses position, makes forward runs, laying the ball intelligently, and has a better sense of who available to pass to. Over and above this, our talented individual forward struggled to play with understanding in the first half. <laughs> however, <laughs> I've got my asthma inhaler here somewhere. Uh, however, we didn't win the game in the second period. Heaven only knows. Uh, I felt Martin found it hard to gain an impact against the Lions. At Celeste, over the past number of games, we've not conceded, though equally we failed to score, as I yeah, is hoping to change in the latter against the Rams. Mm. Well, as, ever, as ever, Jerry has, has 
pretty much you know what if i just read that out at the start of the show we might have we would have got away with doing very little because uh, he's covered pretty much everything in the last week for us there which is fantastic um i'm, I'm not going to argue with any of it because really it's all true um other than perhaps you know, we, we, no, other than perhaps the the you know the performance of garvin which i agree on his um description of why it was but uh, sorry of, of what actually happened but I, I think there's reasons for it but and yeah yeah basically he's spot on there uh, we've got a email in from aaron that says i uh, can't believe i didn't go to the toilet at my usual time which is quarter to poo yeah aaron you can't spell quarter don't email me um and the last thing the last email before we go which i mean everyone else seems to have gone who was actually listening so but this will be for the podcast only i guess uh it says whoever wants it so it'll be me um greetings from the sunny plains of burkina faso where the lowly warthog stands solitary like a corpse waiting patiently for a meal our tribe have recently embarked embarked ship after visiting the beautiful sites of thornton's heath appropriately named after exquisite chocolates hmm? <laughs> after buying some designer nike shoes to take back it's nike shoes I don't know. To take back our tribe and to our tribe and enjoy the rich cuisines of Norwood, we descended on Selhurst Park for our first game since 1967, when we watched Palace struggle to draw against Wrexham. On arriving at the ground, we met some nice gentlemen who spoke in odd tongues and wore many flat caps and groaned together like a herd of cows in mating season. To cut a long story short, we ended in a large war with these people, them armed with bottles and coins, us hurling our spears and poison darts back at them. Is feeling racist again? I don't know. They feel like an exotic. They fell like exotic birds from trees, then all ran away, which was sad. Unfortunately, we weren't allowed into the game after that, so we created a human column to allow our tribal leaders to watch from a height. Upon coming home, we killed our firstborn children in disgrace at our defeat. Defeat? It was nil-nil, you idiot. Or do you mean? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, however, this sacrifice or uh, after this sacrifice to our great god, we're hoping to defeat Manchester, pride of Singapore. And set us up nicely for the big game at Barnsley. Ah, fantastic stuff. All right, well, look, thanks to everyone who listened. Uh, thank you to my co-presenters this week, Albert and Mark. Cheers to Mikey. No uh, very, very little in the background this week. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll speak to you all again soon. Cheerio. Bye. Peace. <laughs> It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.